Jazz Experience, Season 2. Let's go! Thanks for joining us for Season 2. Join the conversation with Nat, Dez, and friends as they share how to transform culture through family. Hey guys, welcome to the Matt and Des Experience. I'm your co-host, Matt Gonzalez. And I'm your other co-host, Desiree Gonzalez. On today's episode, we have two of our great friends and just, oh, you guys, you're in for a treat today. We have Kelly and Joey Festi from San Antonio Kingdom Life Church. What is going on, guys? Hey, how you guys doing? Hey, guys. Good. Thanks so much for being on. Two of our most favorite people in the entire world. It's so awesome to have you on. Yeah, I have a story how I actually met you guys. We were at Prophetic Trainers in Vacaville and it was coming to the end of the event. And I'm just happened to, I was about to leave and went up to Dano and Dano goes, no, wait right here. So I'm waiting at the altar. I'm like, okay, well, you know, is he going to tell me something? Give me something. And all of a sudden he brings up Joey. And Joey's not a short guy. I mean, he's he's a he, he's a tall guy, and he's standing there, and he basically says, "Hey, you have a word for him." And at the time, I didn't have anything. I'll just be honest; I didn't have anything. But I know those moments are are God moments. And so, all right, Lord, so just had prayed into it and had uh, gotten a word, and it began more than a word, began a friendship. And so that's kind of how we got introduced to the Festies. And their amazing family and just everything that they got going on in San Antonio. So, so excited to have you guys on the episode today. Thanks oh, we're glad to be us. here. And what's funny about that story is now every time Kelly and I come back, I use I use you as my prophetic pony I know. to all my people. <laughs> so every, every time we bring guests going, Matt, look at look at him. Look at her. Get something for him. I put you on True the spot story. all the time. <laughs> True story, but it's fun. I, I, I love it. That's you guys awesome. have great people. It's easy. It's easy. Awesome. We missed you guys. We were supposed to be out there, I guess, a couple. Well, no, yeah, a couple weeks ago. Couple weeks ago. Yes, we didn't get to good old that. quarantine shut the conference down, but we're back on in October. Awesome. Well, Joey and Kelly, for the listeners that may not know who you are, can you tell us just a little bit about yourselves and some of your passions? Yes, um, I'm a business guy by trade. Been in the financial advisory business for 33 years. Um, started my own firm about 17 years ago, and. We have a family office for professional athletes, mainly in the NFL. So manage a lot of uh, NFL athletes. That's our full-time, my full-time job and travel. And about 11 years ago, God gave uh, me a vision for a church when we came back to San Antonio from Austin. And, um, and that's what the expression is today. It's Kingdom Life San Antonio. Kelly and I are uh, co-senior leaders, and we started with our best friends, Jeff and Emery Bailey, and started with seven people in a home. And... We have three kids. Two of our older boys, Joey and Travis, are married to precious girls, Ashley and um, Janie. And then our little girl, 25, is Annie. And she it actually is quarantined with us for the last two months, three months. <laughs> yep. Fun, fun. Well, you pretty much said everything. Um, we are going to be married 33 years oh, Saturday. We got married right out of college. And uh, Besides that, yeah, I had a I've had a women's ministry for 25 years. I've been teaching women's Bible study and ministry, and did that for about three years before we started the church. And um, yeah, you know, one of the things I love about your guys' church culture and just the family you guys have created is right now we see a huge reformation taking place in the church, and uh, I believe you guys are one of those houses that are modeling it so well. Uh, you know, it's a kingdom family reformation. 
How did you guys create a culture of family within your church? And what are some of the values that you carried for that? You know, before you answer that, I just wanted to share, you know, you guys, we had the privilege of being with you guys last year. And this was the only time I think we've ever experienced it. You know, Matt and I have traveled quite a bit and, you know, we were in the, um, the pre-service prayer (laughs) with you guys and, me and Matt kind of were like taken back and we, we looked at each other and we both started crying and we're like, what in the world is going on? We're like, what is this about? And then it dawned on us. I'm going to cry again. It dawned on us like this. It made us miss what it was like the same culture we had built. And it was the first time I think we'd ever felt that somewhere else. It was like, wow, this feels like family. And feels like home. it feels like home where, and then we're like, what the heck, Lord, what does this mean? <laughs> but it was so awesome. And we just, we love that about what you guys have built. Oh, well, I, I remember that. And um, I think that's why we connect with you guys so much, just because you're so similar. And I think that the mm. reason that we've been able and, and to have this family culture is we started it in our home. First of all, Joey was flipping pancakes and there was just eight of us. <laughs> come on. We just gathered around the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And more people wanted to come and more people started coming. And then yeah. Joey had this big download from God and a vision about starting the church. And, and we did move into a building and, and now we've, we've grown a lot more since that day, but we both just value relationship and we're really not interested in having lots of programs and having as big a fancy church as we can with all the bells and whistles. We really do believe that it's about um, the kingdom's family and God's government's okay. family. And so we, we felt strongly, like from day one, we just want to keep it centered on that. And we truly like all all these young people that came into our church that we didn't even know. And some of them thought they were coming into a Methodist Bible study. They were a little (laughs) surprised when they got in the living room and realized this is not really a Methodist Bible study. (laughs) Um, But we love love them so much. They are our family. Like we just, it's been a huge privilege. And if I can add to that, it's like, and Kelly mentioned it, we, we gather around the presence, not theology, right? Mm-hmm. And it was around gathering around, getting people together to gather around, see what God wants to do. And not just God do in the environment and to blow things up, but actually do in us. But actually, and in whenever there was revelation in his presence that we worked it out in community, that, you mm-hmm. know, we we're actually looking for internal transformation, dealing wow. with your stuff, meaning... You know, I think that's what causes the transformation of families that we know each other's stuff. We deal with our stuff, not just stack our Christianity on top of our stuff. What ends up happening when you stack your your faith and everything on top of your stuff, eventually it implodes and you don't finish well. And so we want to do that process early of the whether it's wounds and stuff and not navel gaze. But we were committed to saying we're going to live an authentic community and be transparent, and vulnerable and allow Holy Spirit to minister and transform us and equip us to be who we're called to be as sons and daughters. Family can be messy, but you don't pick the weird uncle out of the Thanksgiving dinner. Everyone has a creepy <laughs> uncle. Yeah, he's watching, pointing at me. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And you know what I love? And maybe you could speak to this, both of you guys real quick, is that you guys built something that was in your heart and you didn't succumb to the pressure of what most church leaders end up coming underneath. How did you guys do that? Like, seriously, is it, would you say, is that, is that your personality? Was it values? I mean, what are some of those things you could speak to? Because there is a pressure for church leaders to conform to tradition, to conform 
to doing uh, things that have always been done. But like you guys said, your journey, you started in your home around some pancakes and the presents. I love that. Pancakes yeah, and the presents. That's good. And, and then you built what was in your heart and not necessarily connected to the pressure of even sometimes, you know, you get church folks that when you start something new and they come and they try to, how did you guys deal with that? Well, I mean, Joey can add on, but I think the number one thing is he's very strong leader. And (laughs) even when some of us, like we started with Anne-Marie and Jeff, who you all know, like even if one of us kind of wanted to start like going just over this way, he's just, it was like honoring the point. So it was kind of like, Joey kept us really steadfast on the vision of the church Wow! um, so that we didn't do that. And yes, people came and wanted to add to it. And why don't we do this? And why don't we do that? And, you know, we, and we've been in churches where we've done this where they're like, well, your zip code, y'all are going to be in a small group and y'all are all going to be best friends now, you know, like this zip code, y'all are over here and this home group's over here. And we just were like, we're not doing that because that's not organic and it's not real. To have real yeah. authentic relationship means I'm gravitating towards you because I can tell we're going to be friends. We've got like like that yeah. part was super easy, but I think Joey really kept us staying true to the vision. I think so many times what churches want to do is that, you know, you, a lot of people, uh, you know, they come out of a cemetery, I mean, seminary, and uh, <laughs> and they get this model of how things are supposed to be. Yeah. And they either mimic or copy the model. And the progression of that model, meaning I'm supposed to start a church. I'm supposed to get a building. Then I'm going to have a Sunday school classes. We're going to do this. We're going to start a school. We're going to start this. And so there's no individualism of what is your calling? What is God calling you to do? It's mimic what you know and create what you've seen. And so how does God do a new thing when you're creating what you know and and duplicating what you've seen? It's like, where's room for, where's the room for for God to move, he has to come inside this paradigm that says, oh, yeah, I mean, we're graduating people out of Sunday school classes because there's a Sunday school class for every age. And no one is 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 spiritually mature like Ephesians four of growing into unity and maturity because yeah. just, they just go through a process. And so it was key, key. You know, I told people if we're just going to do church, let's just pack it up. Because I have no desire to do that. I have no desire to replicate what people are leaving. People are leaving the church. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be a healing place and a place to come. So if um, you know, if we're passing the baton, are we passing something that people actually want to take? Yeah. The interesting challenge for us has been there was a big moment when we moved out of the home. We got mm-hmm. to about 75. We had a big kind of open living area. We got to about 75 and we needed to move into a church building. And that was really hard because everybody loves the living room and the kitchen. And, you know, so then we go into a building, there's that transition, but then all these other new people started coming. So you have these two groups, the ones that are in the living room going, wait, who are all these new people? And we're like, well, isn't that kind of the point? Like, it's not like we're going to close the doors and say, no, no, no more can come in. And just that growth has been a really interesting dynamic of not sliding back into, well, now we're in a church building, so we're going to look like a church. No, we're going to still hold the family model and help my kids get along. And, you know. Yeah. And you might not get along, but are you going to leave and take your ball and go home? That's good. Don't call me me brother brother and sister. And then I say the wrong thing one time and you're gone. 
That's not family. That's church. That's if I say something that you theologically don't believe, ask me a question. Don't leave that you have the corner on theology. And that's why we don't gather around theology. We gather around presence and relationship because in that we can work that out. Because I know there's one person that knows the perfect theology, right? Jesus. Yes. And I know I know seven and a half billion people that don't know. And that's everybody else. I love that. You know, I love what you're saying because you guys, you resisted the cookie model. That's what you were talking. There's a cookie model way to plant, to do things, and you didn't do it. And I don't know if I've ever said this to you, Joey, uh, but I I do believe, and I know um, Kelly was kind of alluding to it, is that I believe, you know, we've been talking about hybrids. I believe there's a new type of hybrid leader that is rising, that's being raised up and is now coming forth. And I really do believe some of the success that you guys have seen is because you've been this uh, apostle pastor mix. There's a hybrid. You may not see yourself as a pastor, but I feel like there are some things that you have done uh, culture wise um, to be able to gather those pastors. So you've almost been like this, this hybrid of this apostolic pastoral, because very rarely do you see an apostle raised up that knows how to create a culture of family really well. Usually it's all, let's just go, go, go. But what I love about what you guys have created, both you and Kelly, is that there is an expression to go into the world to transform it, but yet a value of family, which you don't see. It's very rare. It is very rare, even though I believe it's not supposed to be rare. And I think it has to do really with what you guys were saying is your ability to lead so well, because even in the, and, you know, just what we're seeing right now in America, people are looking for leaders. Yeah. They're looking for somebody to lead and they're looking for strong leaders. They're not just looking for people who are going to be wishy-washy and and don't hold some sort of conviction. And uh, that's what I love about both of you guys. You guys do that so well. Thank you. Yeah, I know you're really right. I mean, and you do have a pastoral gift. You don't think you do, but you really do. So. <laughs> He is a very more apostolic than pastoral, but there is. <laughs> well, on that, I have a question that kind of goes along with that for you guys. Um, you know, kind of more on the broader, you know, look at the corporate church in America as a whole. <clears throat> what do you guys see as some of the greatest challenges at where we are as a church, the current state and structure of the way things are currently? You know, they're obviously if you've lived over a day, you can see that there needs to be a reformation there. Yeah. What do you guys see in your opinion? What needs to happen to take us from where we're at to really, truly being that kingdom family corporately? I, I mean, first, I mean, not, not to bring in a Bible verse and make us official Christian talk, but you know, <laughs> Romans 12, renewing our mind about what we think the church is supposed to look like and, mm-hmm. and allowing the Lord to show us what he wants it to look like. And um, I think, you know, right now, the current state is, are we passing on something the young, next generation wants? Is it something that is not just giving them information, but is it actually giving them power and transformation? Come on. And I think the church has become an information outlet and we've come up with great memes and, you know, posts and stuff. And the younger generation is just going, show me vulnerability, transparency, that actually something can tangibly change. And yes. So, we're, you know, like I said earlier, we're trying to pass the baton that not many people want because there's no power behind it. Um, two is getting leaders to change their mind about, you know, it's okay to not have 
you're not trying to build a church. You're trying to actually build people and the policies or procedures put in place or they, that we can say with our mouth, we're trying to build people, but the policies and procedures are really to build a church. And, and to, and to illustrate that is right now, you know, Warren Buffett said very candidly in 08 during the financial crisis, you never know who's swimming naked till the tide goes out. (laughs) And, and, and here we are right now with the financial tide going out and we're figuring out that, you know what, the church is naked in in regards to being the store, to being the storehouse that it was supposed to be. You know, the church is supposed to be a feeder of people at the storehouse. And right now, there, some of them, I mean, a lot of the church is begging to stay alive. Ministries are begging to stay alive because yeah. we've lost our love of being the our desire to be in the storehouse. Yeah. And we've um, we've stored up information and we've we're gone from being able to uh, give out relational equity to more intellectual equity. And we need relational so equity. So. Well, yeah, also, we believe, I mean, the, the revival of the great awakening that we know is going to happen. I do believe that is what it is, that the church is actually going to come into a place. And what's well, even like that term church ecclesia, that they're a governmental body of people who actually have authority to govern in the city. Come on. Yes. That we're yep. actually going to be that. Yeah. That we are actually going to awaken and recognize that. No, 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 wait. We are the ones that actually should be governing and yes. serving and feeding and all of that. So I think there's going to be this shift that's, that's happening now. And that's I think that that's part of the refining process that's happening in the shaking. Wow. You know, this is kind of along the same lines, but one of the things that you guys do so well that, you know, you don't really see happening in a lot of churches. I know we had Chris Valentin on a previous episode and he had mentioned about right now we're in a season where God is modeling powerful couples, husbands and wives that are powerful together, that are actually modeling what it looks like to live in the kingdom together, to co-reign together. You know, you guys are such a powerful couple. What are some keys for couples on how to be individually powerful together? You guys do that so well. I really do. You guys are co-leading. I mean, this is amazing. I, I love seeing that dynamic. And I know, you know, there is a battle for that. I mean, that's where... If we're going to talk about vulnerability and authenticity. A lot of leaders aren't talking about that. There is a battle to do what you guys are doing, both on a corporate front, but also on an individual front. So what would you uh, what would you say to those who are listening today? Well, let me throw myself under the bus first. And that is it, it is challenging because I'm probably a lot more challenging for Kelly to co-lead with than her. She is for me. Um you know, I, I mean, it's, it, it takes, it takes work. I mean, I think I said this yeah. on another podcast I did when someone was asking me about it. I just said, you know, it takes work because marriage takes work. Then you yeah. put in a co-leading perspective. And then we also lead with our best friends. And so you can actually lose some of the relationship, the intimate, you know, when you're trying, you know, what, are you husband and wife or are you co-leading? And so we had learned when that is, when are you actually co-leading and when are we husband and wife? And with our friends, the Baileys, when are we friends and when are we senior leaders and associate leaders? You know, that's good, which has been somewhat challenging, you know, for all of us because of a lot of times like me, you know, um, I I can say things that, you know, are very direct and sometimes people don't t- take them well. And then, no, not you. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, and I on. also think, you know, and we could 
Yes, that's true. He's very strong. And uh, we are very different. It takes a lot of dancing and weaving and trying to figure out what the other one is really saying. And I think the biggest challenge in our even just married life for almost 33 years is learning how to lead well together. Yeah. And because I can be a strong, powerful person. And honestly, I do think that I have grown up into the fullness of my gifting and being a strong, powerful woman because of the strength. And um, we can honor that. It's not that it was always easy at all. It wasn't at all. But I do recognize that I've actually gotten to grow up into this place because of his strength. I couldn't agree more, Kelly. I feel like a lot, I mean, you know, anytime there's an injustice, a lot of times people swing to the the other side of the yes. pendulum. And so I, I think there's, there's a lot of women out there modeling, you know, hear me, I'm important, I'm valuable, you need to listen. But in doing that, they're disconnecting from their spouse, they're disconnecting from men. And there's, there's, you know, there could be even a, a root of bitterness toward toward men in that. And so yeah. I just I think it's so good what you're saying, because it's truly my heart as well. Like, if we really, truly want to see reconciliation in, you know, male, female dynamic, we, it, it has to flow from honor, it has to, and I totally agree and feel the same way about Matt, you know, I think that, had it not been for him in my life and in his role in my life as my husband, I probably wouldn't rise up to the place that God has for me. So I, I love that so much. Uh, I think yeah. one of the thing I'd add is also, it's just messy. As Kelly said earlier, it's messy. You know, it's messy with yeah. us because, you know, I'm her biggest champion. I want to push her out. I wanted to write her book at the same time. <laughs> it's messy with me. There's times where I don't say the right thing at the right time or have the right attitude and vice Man, versa. No. And no, and vice versa where, you know, I don't, I don't feel the same. She doesn't feel the same way about me with Jeff and Anne Marie. I mean, she's my favorite worship leader in the world. He is my best friend in the whole world. And we couldn't do the church without him. But in that messiness, we all don't hear each other. Well, yeah, sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, yep. I, I think the other dynamic that is interesting, at least in talking about being at a church is the role of women anyway. And right. we had modeled for us that women taught Sunday school class. Or they could run the potluck supper, you know, and that's kind of the church that we grew up in. And I've been teaching for 25 years. And when I first started getting asked to go and speak some places where men were, it was really challenging for me because I had this little voice in my ear saying, you shouldn't be doing that. It's not biblical, you know, but if I didn't have him to be championing me and saying, no, 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 this is like, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Um, that has really helped. And so even like what you're saying does, I think it's true that some women have had to really fight and be use their voice maybe a little bit too loudly to get to where they are today. But if we could learn that men and women are really supposed to compliment each other, Come on. I don't that's have good. to fight for my position. Mm. We can compliment each other. And um, that's really a beautiful picture. And that's just even Christ in the church. I mean, that's a beast. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what I love? I, so you know, I'm, I love creating culture and, the key for creating culture is language because language makes culture transferable. And what you just said, and I think this is the difference, is we hear a lot about uh, men empowering women, which I don't think that's what it needs to be. You said it. It's men champion women. There's a big difference between champion and trying to empower. Yeah. Women don't need to be empowered necessarily because they already have power. Yes. They need to be championed in that. And I love what you're saying. That is just fire right there. Well, you know. What? Oh, man. Everything within a woman is built to respond to love. And if I feel like you're trying to give me power because I don't have any, that does not feel like love. I am not going to respond to that. I'm going to rise up. Come on. 
Right. Oh. Start running around this house right now. That's well, no, That's true because uh, you said earlier the model that's been left is that you know you're either you know doing you know uh, kids ministry, you're on the worship team, yeah. or you're just a token pastor's wife. Right. I mean, just, just keeping it real. I mean, that's okay. that was the but model. You it, but you hear it from right. the pulpit. I mean, a lot of the te- a lot of the teaching is like that we hear about. It's only from the pulpit, not an application. And that's the same thing with fathering and mothering. We have plenty of people teaching about fathering and mothering. Hey, we got a father and mother, a father, sons and daughters. And guess what? You can't father from the pulpit. You can't mother from the pulpit. You know, you're just passing information. And when it comes to honoring women, you can't just honor women from the pulpit. I honor you. What does that do? It has to be tangible. And so they have to, you know, Kelly, I hope, feels free, not because someone allows her, but because she's free to be who she is. Come on. Y'all got me. Yeah, I'm stirred. <laughs> stirred up. I think we just Mic drop right there. <laughs> We've had to walk this out and it's taken a lot. It's taken a lot. Time. I got gray hair because of it. You know? Oh, well, I mean, we're, we're just opening up get cans that. today. So let's open up some more here on this next question. <laughs> you know, there are many topics and issues that many times we don't want to address in church either. Mm-hmm. because we're either blinded or we choose not to see it. Two of these issues right now, what we just talked about was the empowerment of women. The reason we use empowerment, because that's what we just talked about, but also is the issue of racism. How have y'all created a culture where you have witnessed breakthrough in either of these areas? And I know the racism one is really strong right now because of some things that just happened within the last couple of days. And I know, Joey, you you uh, you really are a father to many athletes. You're not just their manager, but you father a lot of them. Multiracial, you know, uh, relationships. And then they look to you as a father. And, I, you know, in your position as a voice in the church, but also a voice in the marketplace, uh, you see a side that maybe a lot of people don't see. Can you guys both speak into those areas a little bit more, a little bit more about the women, but also racism, even yeah, in the body yeah, of Christ? Go ahead, go. Well, I mean, and, I'll, and Joey does have a unique perspective and an interesting perspective on that. But I, the racism thing is what has got me the most stirred up right now. And yeah. I don't know that we, I can say that we've seen the breakthrough that we need to or want to see in our church yet, but I know that that's coming. Mm-hmm. And I, I think what I feel stirred up about is that we seem to have, I hope that we don't want to edit this. We seem to have this real political spirit that's kind of going on in the church right now. And we're all about make America great again. And yet we still have things happening like we've just seen. Right. It just is. It's so maddening to me. I, I cannot believe that we are still seeing this kind of horrific white supremacist racism that's happening. And it just breaks my heart. And so I think that I feel super stirred and I know Joey does too, but I just don't think that we can sit back and not use our voices and not act like this because it's been going on forever. And just for me as a white Southern woman, I've grown up in the South and as a white Southern woman, for me to not actually acknowledge their pain and enter into it with you, enter into the best that I can as being an empathic person, empathetic person um, and start to talk about it. Yeah. And I know that I do. We have some people in our church. I've had a couple of, um, Two in particular, young black men who came up to me crying and said, thank you so much. That's all we wanted to hear from a leader. We just wanted to know that wow. you see our pain and you know it's gone on for a long time. Wow. That's all. And, you know, and I was like, well, that's all I can do. I don't know what else to do. Yeah, I think that, um, uh, I mean, it's just inexcusable. 
Yeah, it ha- I mean, it, it has to stop. I mean, you know, it's become political and it's not. It's it's it is we'll never be a great nation as long as we see people differently because they look different than us. Yeah, so true. And yeah. this racism, this violence that's taking place mm-hmm. because of someone's color um, is inexcusable. And it's, it's gone on for hundreds of years. And it's, it's gone like on thing. forever. And it's, 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 it has to stop. And it has to stop. And, you know, we have, I think that not just the church, everyone, but especially the church has to be the loudest voice of just stop. Yeah. Of bringing people of uh, people of color, uh, it, it, not just just to. I want I want my brothers and sisters that are people of color know that they matter so much yeah. to us. They matter how they feel, what they're suffering when they suffer, we suffer. Yeah. You know that there's no distinction. You know, it's like the body of Christ. When you step on the toe, the head feels it. It's like yeah. that. And when I hurt, other people hurt. And so we've gotten this thing that has come into the church where there actually are colors when we just want to see people treated equally and fairly. And so my clients, I mean, you know, it's a travesty what some of them have to experience because of their color. And it's a travesty. And, And they already, clients of mine, because of their notoriety, already feel used, right? Yeah. They already feel used because they have money, they have notoriety, and people want them to come in. And church leaders will bring them on the front row and doing all that stuff. And and they already feel used, but then they get abused, they get slighted, they get you know um, <laughs> they get pulled over just for being who they are. Yeah. And uh, so we're going to get a little personal here, but it's uh, you can work Kelly and I up pretty hard when we start talking about race. And I think the church has to be one of the loudest voices. No, I hundred percent agree. You know, it's so interesting. You want my name and you want my fame, but you don't want to understand my culture. One hundred percent. Great way of saying it. What, what's happening? And you know, I first experienced it when I first got saved in the church. I didn't know. I, you know, you, you know, here I am coming into the church thinking it's supposed to be the safest place. I'm being transformed, and yet experience racism in my early days of coming into the kingdom where I really, I mean, I, I had a, I had a lot of anger in me, so I probably responded wrong, but I wanted to be the pastor's butt. I mean, I'll just keep it real. Like I wanted to slam him on his neck for some of the things that, that were said. And, you know, I got sozo and I got healed from it. So, (laughs) but uh, you know, the seriousness is that, you know, I still see it. Yeah. I still see it and we can call it whatever we want, but, this is the thing, and this is what I see, and I, I'm going to make it a little personal maybe, but, you know, I had a, a mentor say, you you can never change the world and have authority in changing the world and impact the enemy of our soul while holding in the same hands his toys. And I said that because what I see is we're trying to have authority to speak into racism, but we don't even address it in church first. We haven't addressed it and gotten the authority and breakthrough in church. And then we want to speak to it outside the church. And I think we need to address it even at a church level. I mean, that's just kind of my two cents. And we could probably yeah. go forever on that, but I'll just yeah. leave it there. Oh, I yeah. could. Oh, we could, could. We could go. go we could have a whole other session. On. <laughs> I could go. Yeah. On. We, yeah. Well, let, Maybe we I want to do, do another episode on this because like you, we really hit a button. Really I can feel it. Really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. So look, I'm going to switch the question just a little bit. Um, Just a couple more for you guys. But uh, Joey, for you, your role in the marketplace, speaking back to that and you're in being in the field of finance, 
How would you say your business mindset? We so appreciate that about you. And yeah. we've learned so much from you in that. How do you feel like that has impacted how you actually run and operate your church? Mm. And how can other church leaders glean from that and breaking, let's be real, poverty spirit that they've yeah. come under? You know, it's funny. I, I've done a lot of uh, talks and podcasts on this topic with whether it's BLN or different things about church and finances and talk to a lot of ministries that are in financial trouble. And one of the first things I always say to open this whole conversation up is that um, if you have revenue and expenses, you're, you're a business that just doesn't pay taxes. Mm. And so until you realize you're a business, if you're a ministry that has expenses and revenues, you're a business that just doesn't pay taxes. Come on. And so you got to be able to run it like a business and it doesn't exclude faith. It can include faith. But it can't, you know, and so a lot, I think what a lot of what a lot of people do in ministry and churches is they try to mimic someone else and, yeah. oh, they have a building. I need to build. They have two services. I need two services. They have three. You know, this is this is what I said to all the pastors. You know, they have three personal assistants. I need. So they, <laughs> you know, they increase their overhead. They and they 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 they, they declaim faith in God's going to increase the revenue and anybody that speaks into their life a lot of times is someone that just doesn't operate in faith or have enough faith. And as a result, you know, they can't, they can't match faith and wisdom because, you know, I believe God can show up and change someone's finances. But at the same time, if, if you have a hundred thousand in tithes and offerings coming in and you have a $280,000 budget, that's true. There's a lot of assumptions going on here. Yeah. And yep. so how do I run the church like my business is that, you know, we fortunately, Kelly and I and Jeff and him, we don't take salary. So being that we don't take salaries, we're able to give at least 35 to 40 percent of what comes in away. Wow. Come on. So we can, you know, we, you know, it allows us to give, which was what we think we're supposed to do as a storehouse to like the food bank last week, you know, where we could give money now. And we're wow. a small church, you know, we're what, two to three hundred people. We're not 10,000 like, you, you know, Bethel or 1,000 like y'all are in Vacaville. We're, we're a small church and we could we gave a pretty good chunk of money to the food bank last week. Wow. Um, but I think it's trying to get people to understand it's a business that doesn't pay taxes and to have pastors listen to the people around them. But I also believe it's really hard for just the pastoral gift to run a church. I think you need a leader to run a church. Pastors, pastors need to pastor. And when they get into leading, they get into trouble. Because all the, you know, and so I think when you get into the fivefold, you got to rearrange who's actually leading the church. That's good. I mean, could you imagine a, a prophet leading a church? <laughs> a prophet leading the nonprofit. Yeah. I mean, whoo, you know, you know, an evangelist, all he wants to do is evangelize, you know, you know, a teacher just teach. And so it's, it's yeah. Um, so I that's think people good. are in financial trouble because, but so that's how, um, you know, I think it's helped us because Jeff Bailey's in the business world too. He's in the commercial wow. real estate. So it allows us to um, really work well together. That's so good. That's great. Well, Kelly, we have one more last question. We want to direct towards you. I know you really oversee the prophetic in your guys' house and culture. How has the prophetic played a role in creating family culture? Um, I think, I mean, we are a very prophetic body. And I think when we were first starting, I wouldn't have known to even look at it. I know that my role is I'm supposed to be equipping people. I'm an equipper. Yeah. And so from day one, just because that's who I am, that's what I was doing. 
So even in the living room, when you have, we had a lot of young people come in that came out of denominations, myself including. I, I grew up in a cessationist church and we were leaders in a cessationist church when Holy Spirit just surprised me in my bedroom. And I got crazy whack of Holy Spirit and all of a sudden I'm, you know, praying in tongues and I operating at this gift that I didn't know I had of seeing visions, open visions and having these encounters. And what am I supposed to do with that? So for 25 years, that's just who I, how I am and how I operate. So when we first had all these young kids coming in out of the Methodist church, the Presbyterian church, Catholic, you know, they were having to unlearn some of that old stuff like I did. And then they were stepping into a really prophetic space, learning how to hear God for themselves. And I think what's developed the healthy family culture is because we are healthy prophetic people and we're looking for the gold. And we are, we said championing early, earlier, we're championing each other. We're actually looking for the gold and drawing out the gold and we're not condemning or accusing. We're saying, wow, that is, you're not acting like yourself. Like that's not who you are. This is who you are, you know, continually. So I think that we've been able to build a very healthy culture because there is a healthy prophetic culture. And we actually had been in a not healthy prophetic culture before, uh, you know, just not, yeah, kind of like Old Testament stuff, you know? Yeah, we hear you on that. Oh, we know that one. (laughs) Also, what's great about Kelly is that she's mature. And so, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing like an immature prophet that caused damage and, and you see body bags all behind him or her, Kelly's mature. And so, you know, when you have a mature prophet in the house, like y'all do, like about like some of the, you know, all the people that we run with have mature prophets. When you have a mature prophet in the house that actually knows how to, you you don't, you know, it's so minimal because it, it, it is one of the biggest things that bothers me when I hear people come to our church or, you know, even, you know, when they leave the church, it's like, when you hear the phrase, I was hurt by the church. Yeah. Uh, the very place that people come for healing, hope and salvation and the sozo of life, they're leaving hurt. Yeah. And um, so Kelly being, like I said, a mature, mature in that area. It just we don't have <laughs> we don't have a lot of problems. Well, and also I've really been able to take a step back. So Chuck Marr, who y'all know as our mm-hmm. associate pastor, he and his wife, Anna. So Chuck has really taken over more of an active role. Yeah. And, and, you know, we started using Dano's uh, model with the coaches and all of that a couple of years ago. And that's helped a lot to create some community within our church because you've got these prophetic teams that have their yeah. coaches. And so they've really, that's been a really good thing as well. Chuck's done a great job. And Chuck Diane is really, and Diane, another woman. They've, so yeah. I'm able to now just kind of oversee it, which is really nice. Wow. That's awesome. Come on. Well, guys, this has been so fun. Do you have any last words you'd like to leave with us today? Yeah. I think uh, we, we appreciate what y'all do. We, you know, um, and that you're just trying to get real dialogue about real things out there to people yeah. that, in a safe place to say, you know what, sometimes it's not okay to be okay. Sometimes it's okay to say, I don't like this or this needs to change or, you know, it's okay. And I love that y'all do that. Y'all get real and vulnerable and stuff too. Mm-hmm. We just appreciate who y'all are, your hearts and um, just your hearts toward people, gathering of people that you love people. Well, you're both, you are both so gifted and powerful to individually and together and it just comes across. And so I think that's why people are attracted to y'all and gathered to y'all. I, you know, I think you, you know, the only negative I would say about you add is really about Matt that he wears really bad baseball hats from bad teams. <laughs> it's like, I tell, it's like I tell Richie Seltzer, you got ugly hat. Cause he wears the rescue oh, hat all man. the time. 
Red. Yeah, there's only I collect all the baseball hats. I just only two I will not wear: a Yankees hat and a Dodger hat. Those are the only two I will not wear. <laughs> oh, but you guys are great, so we love yeah, you. That's so fun. We love you guys. Where can people continue to glean from you guys at? Would you guys maybe share how they can get connected with your guys' community in San Antonio? It's uh, KingdomLifeSA.com is yeah. our website. And then on social media, same thing. Can yeah, KingdomLifeSA.com. Kingdom Life San Antonio or KingdomLifeSA on Instagram and Facebook and website. And they can listen to either our podcast or go stream live with us if they want to see something different. Um, yeah, that's been interesting. We're going to keep streaming. We've been streaming live like everybody else is. And we're going to keep doing that as well, even though we're awesome. opening our churches back up. So. And you guys can also find them on Facebook and Instagram, Kelly Festi and Joey Festi. We'll make sure to put that in the show notes. So make sure to check the show notes to find out how to continue to connect with them. Thank you guys for being on this episode today. And guys, remember, family is where life begins, destiny is found, identity is enhanced, and love never ends. If this podcast has enriched your life, make sure to subscribe and would you share this podcast with a friend or family member as it helps us to extend our reach. Thank you for listening to this show today. Until next time, this is Matt Gonzalez. And this is Desiree Gonzalez. We are out. Be blessed. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode of the Matt and Des Experience. This podcast exists to inspire and motivate you to transform the world around you. Continue the journey with Matt and Des Gonzalez by liking them on Facebook and checking out mattanddes.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast.